You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick, and today I have some very special guests from Mr. Saturday Night. That's Justin and Eamon. They um, have started as a local party, grew into a record label, then a venue, uh, an outdoor venue, and now also an indoor space called Nowadays, where we hosted an edition of The Bunker Limited last month and have another one coming up on March 30th with Mike Servito. And we'll be chatting with them about all that a little later. But right now we're going to get right into the mix with them. So uh, stay tuned and enjoy. This is The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio with Mr. Saturday Night. Thank you. 
listening to Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick, and we've been in the mix with Mr. Saturday Night. Actually, that was all Eamon. I guess, Justin, you're going to do the second half? or is I'm going just... to try my best. <laughs> yeah. Or because you were late, Eamon's just going to... He's just going to do everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's not going to be as good. Everybody can just <laughs> chin on and go home and do something else. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> so, Eamon's throwing down the gauntlet yeah. here on the radio. <laughs> Um, if you're not watching on Facebook Live, you should tune in for the fight that's going to happen uh, um, once I start DJing. It's going to be great. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe Have you ever had fisticuffs like on the on your on the show before? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Well, but there's a first time. First going time for everything. Going yeah. on. <laughs> Get multiple people involved here. Let's all do it. Yeah. Jordan Bunker versus Red Bull versus Mr. Saturday. Yeah. Death match. Versus Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fake news, fake news. Yeah. So um, maybe we should start by talking about, this all started as a party, so let's start by talking about Mr. Saturday Night, the party, a little bit. Um, you actually started out in a nightclub. Yes. Uh, that was Santos Party's house. That's Santos right. Party has santos party house santos party house yeah yeah um, which do you know why it was called santos no because originally it was supposed to be called santa's party house but somebody got in touch with them and like i don't know if they threatened a lawsuit but somehow they threatened them and they said you're trying to market your club to kids by calling it santa's party house so at the very last minute they changed it to santos because somebody I told think them i they have had heard to. this story and totally blocked it out of my mind yeah there you go but um, it didn't last very long at the nightclub. No. Um, and then what came next? Market Was Market Hotel Market next? Hotel was next, yeah. Okay, so why why this move away from... You started off in like a very official, legal, straightforward Manhattan, not even Brooklyn, a Manhattan club, and then you quickly went in another direction with it. Well, um, Santos had all this promise. There were a lot of really great people that were involved with Santos. Yeah, Spun was doing the bookings. Yep. And um, Spencer Sweeney was one of the like really involved partners in the business. Andrew WK was involved in the business. Yes. <laughs> you know what? Like he's got this kind of like pastiche like character. It's um, a character though that he's or is well, he really I, that guy? No, actually he's really that guy. I say that's this like character, but he's got this like image out there, but he was the most positive and like fun person to work with. He was really, really a, a great guy. And anyway, that all led to this like real excitement about Santos. And so when we started Mr. Saturday Night, we started it with the hopes that this would be a different club experience because we did want to have something that was a different, a different experience. Um, but whatever combination of just like too many cooks in the kitchen, the pressures of New York, um, it, it made it really hard to do anything there. We had some good nights, some really cool things happened there. Um, but after I think like 10 parties, it was done. Yeah. Was it every Saturday? Well, this was one of the issues is the idea that we came to them with was, Hey, we know what will really work here is to do a party that is consistent. We do it every single Saturday. That's going to be yeah. great. We can build something that's really excellent. Um, and they were like, yeah, okay. And then almost from the get-go, they were like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. We got this thing booked. 
on this Saturday. It's interesting because that's how when we started the bunker, and I remember in the 90s, that is how New York operated. All the clubs and bars and everything was weeklies. That's just how they booked them. You're the Thursday night party. You're the Friday night party. You're the Saturday night party. But at some point, we've gotten way away from that for the yeah. most part. Like a weekly residency in New York is quite rare, especially at a big place yeah. like Santos parties. I can't think of anything like that that's a weekly residency no. in a huge... Like, no, well, well, at Santos, uh, they other have... Other than, than uh, when we do Mr. Sunday. Mr. Sunday. In, in, in the, the summer. In the, yeah. yeah, it's a weekly thing for... Half I mean, the year. Half the year, we do like 25, 26 of them. Wow, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a, it like expands a little bit every year. It's like, yeah. we're doing another month. Oh, we, we squeeze... We, <laughs> and another month. <laughs> right. Hey, like, global warming. <laughs> it's 55 <laughs> degrees. We're going to go into November. Let's yeah. keep doing it. Yeah, thanks to Donald Trump, you might be able to go like year round that soon, w- you know, just to... Make America great again. <laughs> No more cold weather. Oh, God. <laughs> sorry, Scott, sorry, Brian, sorry to take it there. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> okay, so that. so you moved to Market Hotel. Yeah. Which is run. Was was Todd P. involved then? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah, he, yeah he, he always was, was involved right? then. Yeah, yeah. I think he had and still holds the lease on that place. Yeah, he's still there. Yep. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was how I came up throwing parties. Like, the, f- the first party I threw was at some... Some bar, Le Souk, just came to me. Do you remember yeah. this place, Le Souk? I don't. Re- I remember reading. I mean, I first knew of you through your mailing list, right? New yeah. release thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I remember reading about your parties on there. I, I don't know if I ever went to one of these, but I remember hearing about right them yeah, through yeah, your yeah. mailing list. I had this mailing list. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was that was a really fun thing to do. I have like dreams of doing that um, again, just so people know what we're talking about here. When I was like twenty three. Just out of college, I got a mind to like, I really wanted to understand what was going on in New York, try to like wrap my head around it at the same time that I was like really digging deep into music as well. I was just trying to generally understand culture in New York. And the the task that I gave myself was to write a newsletter every single week and send it out to this email list. And um, I would write about everything from like, dance performances to like weird food events to to parties of course live shows and there was a a time for a few years there where like there wasn't a band who was playing at mercury lounge that i hadn't like checked out online to see if i liked them or not like i was like really really absorbed in like all many aspects of the culture of of new york it was a really great time anyway uh, (laughs) flash forward a few years and, and like Eamon and i partnered up and um Originally, when we started our our business together, that was part of the business. I was still going to do the newsletter, and we were going to throw parties. And eventually, it became clear that there's like there's no way to make a living from writing this newsletter. Yeah, because I did a newsletter too. Oh, right. Remember, and yes. it wasn't. It was yes. never. I never had any idea to make money from it. And then, like Flavor Pill, kind of figured that out, right? They actually well, like maybe. Did, Maybe yeah, I don't know. Well, they, I mean, they're still they're still they around. They still exist. They're right? still they, yeah. They I have no idea money. their profit statements or right. Yeah, but yeah. still like they they were like trying to do that, and then there was always Jeff Stark's list, which is still around, which is amazing. Nonsense, still amazing. What a, yeah, um, what a guy. So there was a, there were a lot of people doing this. It was I, I feel like it was before a lot of websites existed yeah. that were you know, I, I, giving information and just like people just like a filter. Like you need a filter. A lot of people are looking for filters well, to experience I, life New York life. Like how yeah. it's just so much like so to get an email that just is 
here's I've kind of like you said gone through everything I've listened to every band playing at Mercury Lounge and here's like the one show that I think is really cool this week I mean I actually one of the reasons why I like still have this like burning desire to do it is because I feel like there's a real need for it I mean yes. nonsense has uh, has a really good thing for like whatever I mean everybody who's doing it has is going to have their own perspective yes but like I feel like if you were doing your list still, it would be a really useful tool because there's not really anything out there that's like distilling down the world of nightlife for people yeah. and being like, hey, trust me, I go out all the time, I listen to music all the time, this is really great and here's why. Yeah. You know? You kind of get it a little bit with the RA picks. Yeah. Yeah. Like RA's and they, and they have their weekly email as well. That's what, yeah, they do. Yeah. The, in the email, it's like, these are the three things or four things that we think are really, you know. Right. Yeah. But... I think it's just a thing you, you, you need to be very dedicated to. and like It's a lot of work. That's it, why I stopped In our case, it. in your case, was like, I can't do this and right. be a label and a party. I have to choose one or the yeah. other. And that's what happened with us. We were like, this, you know, there was a fork in the roads and we got to decide which way to go. So we, we wrapped up the newsletter and just focused on the parties. Yeah. Yeah. I think after <laughs> a few years, I had the newsletter and the weekly party at the same time. And then it just became like, I can't do this and I'm also old. I'm trying to well also I'm trying to promote my own thing yep. and I'm promoting all this other stuff and nobody else is doing that so right. I'm feeling like a bit of a chump in a way right. <laughs> <laughs> there was that aspect of it so yeah it just kind of became the bunker mailing list after some time so um, when you were doing the parties at Market Hotel and 12 turn 13 I can't remember what years those were but you you were having you had a, you almost always had a guest mm -hmm. DJ then yeah yeah um, Yes. I mean, when we started at Santos, we always had guests. So it was right. always um, it was always a model where we had somebody else in the mix. Um, I think because we just, we, we loved, we both met because we were booking DJs at different places. Right. So when Justin was at APT. I was, and I was doing some bookings at Studio B. Right, right. I remember that. And, um, and so it was, I guess there was two reasons for booking guests. We were just, we were still a new party at that point. So we had to like grow an audience. And one way of growing an audience is actually book people that there's demand for. Yeah. Right. And put it on in a way that, um, that people um, appreciate. And then, and then, and then they know the experience for more than just the DJ you've booked. It's like, oh, like I went and saw Harvey because I'm a Harvey fan, but it was a great party and the sound system was good and the drinks were reasonably priced and everybody was really nice. And there was like a culture around the party that right. like, I want to go to that again and it doesn't have to be Harvey. So the, the, the guests um, helped us build something by sort of drawing people in. And also like we were booking our heroes to come and play with us. And we were yeah, super psyched to play with Harvey and Omar S and Theo and Moody Man and yeah, you know, all, all, all those guys. Amazing yeah. experience, especially when you're somewhat starting out a young DJ and then, yeah. Yeah. Like, to yeah. be like sharing the decks with these guys was, was, was incredible. Um, but then, you know, what, what happened is, um, over time, I think the culture and the experience of the party became the dominant thing, rather than the th rather than the booking, right? And 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 we started to like feel that that's the reason the people were coming to the parties was like this this broader experience, and 
people were coming that didn't even know who the you know quote unquote headliner was, right? Right. And um, and at that point, we realized that we were you know we were onto something that was bigger than, um, well, bigger than the guest, but also like the the thing that we'd always aspired to do. But I guess you know we weren't sure if we were going to get there, but it started to happen. And then um, we used that as a way of. Um, sort of fulfilling our own ambitions as DJs to be like the sort of center of the thing that we that we'd built, um, and so we started to do last bookings and DJ the parties all by ourselves. And and what happened then is it really felt like it went to another level because we were developing this relationship with uh, the crowd, like a consistent crowd of people that were coming back over and over again. And um, really, like, intimately understanding that dance floor and those individuals, yeah. and how the, the party, the the dynamic of the party, um, uh, existed. And yeah, I mean, it just just sort of went went from there, you know. And I think at that point, then you've got something truly unique um, and different. And um, yeah, we just you know we just kept doing it from there, and 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 then. Um, you know, just to roll forward on the whole story of, of Mr. Saturday Night, um, I guess get up to, to today, through all this, through all these years up until recently, we were in temporary spaces. Um, at nighttime, they were most often illegal, and in the daytime, they were fully legalized, but very... Um, very temperamental in, in, in from a yeah. real estate perspective. Because Gowanus, it ultimately became, it started as the yard, became Gowanus Grove. That, you guys made your events there legal. Yeah, yeah. But from what I, I think from what I remember you telling me, it was actually like sometimes a week to week basis, the like permission from the community board, the, yes. lo the local police, the police department local or something. Police they could any week, like the day of the event, they they technically could just say not, not screw today. you guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was really stressful. Like we, we had <laughs> many sounds incredibly we had, stressful. We had many meetings with the captain of the precinct sitting at the table, like begging him for this like weird permit for amplified sound that like nobody ever since has even talked about because it doesn't even seem it didn't like apply to us. It, it, it was just this thing, whatever. Just one of these things where, <laughs> but, like, anyway, you're sitting there begging the police captain for permission, and he just he would never give it to us. So we always had this hanging over our heads. We just kept doing the parties, like waiting for them to show up. Um, oh, but because technically they could shut down the party because you didn't have the amplified yes. sound permit, so they didn't want to give it to you because it gave them leverage. Yeah. Well, it was this funny thing where at the the. This really came to a head at one point where they said they wouldn't give it to us anymore. And we went and, and pled many times. And I remember, I wasn't there, but I remember Eamon telling me the story of being in the precinct and waiting in this little, like, um, kind of like foyer. The waiting area. Yeah, the yeah, waiting yeah. area there, which is just like a little fenced in area. Like It was like Hill Street Blues, you know, where they all like <laughs> hang out and there's the guy looking over. Yeah, yeah. I'm showing my age now, yeah. but yeah. But anyway, so... <laughs> You know, he was waiting and the captain came out of the room and and Eamon stood up and was like, hey, and the the, the captain knew because he talked to us a bunch of times. He knew what Eamon was going to ask for. And he's like, listen, I can't give it to you. You do what you got to do. And then he walked away. And so we had to wonder if he was saying basically like, 
I'm in a place where I can't give you permission because of political pressures that exist on me. But you do what you have to do means like you do your event and, you know, we'll see what happens. And so we we like thought long and hard about whether or not we would do it. And we were like, well, it seems like he's giving this this kind of like wink and a nod that we could do it. And we and so we did it and they didn't come down and and shut us down. And I mean, you you I, were I, respectful. I, you that oh, we you kept the volume was never crazy at those parties. You ended by nine p.m. Yes. You weren't like, but we pushing re- it. We really went out of our way to. I mean, it's always been an important thing for us since we started there, and we were in that neighborhood, um, which is like super residential, one block on either side of us, to really be respectful of the neighbors. We would go around and talk to the neighbors before we'd start the summer and be like, "Hey, we're doing this." We would knock on doors. Oh, wow. For blocks and blocks, like go up and down the streets and um, and really get the get the temperature of what was what was going on, because we really didn't want to be a nuisance to people. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what gets you into trouble, really. People, you're a nuisance. They're complaining to the police. Police don't want to have to deal with it, but then they have to because. Yes. Right. The people in their precinct are complaining about you. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But I mean, this is just a small example of many challenges year to year venue to venue with officials landlords bureaucracy and then the uncertainty of like the the property just disappearing because like all the places we talked about i mean i guess market hotels kind of back but like everything all the other spots we did they're gone parties, they're all gone you know we we did a edition of love injection last year where they went out and took photographs of all the places we'd ever done parties and virtually all of them are like condos now or something right. else That's that is funny. not that is not yeah. like a diy loft or uh an art space or or something cool right yeah those places tend to always have an expiration date right um so is this maybe why you've moved out i mean we haven't we've i really wanted to talk about nowadays in this interview we haven't even started that yet is this part of the reason why maybe you chose a spot that was a little further out and not you don't have a lot of really immediate residential neighbors, right? Yeah, 100%. When we were looking for the property that would eventually become whatever thing we were going to start, we had these requirements. One, it had to be in a manufacturing district because that was the only way to get a cabaret license. Yep, that's true. Two, we wanted to be relatively close to a subway. Um, it couldn't be within like a block of residential neighborhood uh, neighbors. Um, and... It had to have outdoor space and indoor space. So, and you gave this list to a real estate agent and had. Or well, we you, we knew what we you wanted. Just, you were looking and yeah, had and what, the list. And, and when we talked to to brokers, we'd be like, "This is what we want." Of course, brokers will take you to places. They'll be like, oh, "I got the perfect place yeah. for you." And then, like, <laughs> there's an apartment building on top of this. What are you doing? Anyway, um, but anyway, long story short. We're in nowadays. We we opened it up. It took a long time, and now everything is easy and um, and great, and just like no no retiring. All the time. And that's yeah, it. yeah it's, it's the end. It's well, you've worked really really. Happy ha- you've been working really hard on the venue, but I would. I mean, you're working towards something with more permanence than yes. I mean, working your ass off at Gowanus Grove to get a squeeze a few months out of it. Yeah, maybe yeah. this has to be a better feeling. Well, there's just yeah, yes. Yes. And there's a longer payoff. There's there's like the potential. I mean, our lease, is it okay for us to talk about how long our lease is publicly? I don't know. I don't think, you know. 
get you know guarded about things like this, right? Like you wonder if it's okay. That to usually talk seems about. some maybe not. I don't know how public that. I, I know that about most venues in New York. I feel like right. I'm, I'm always curious. Well, our, we we have a ten year lease. We're three years into it, and so you know the way we look at it is, you know, we're we're always trying to figure out a way that we can make it last for longer than that. But we look at it and we say, okay, well, well we got seven more years out of this. It's a, it's a long time. It's a good amount of time, you know? Like, um, we would love it if the place becomes an institution and we, like, uh, you know, can somehow convince somebody to buy the building for us <laughs> and, you know, like, just have it be home forever. Um, but, uh, but if it lasts for seven years, I mean, I think I'll be... Still satisfied with it. I mean, talk to me in seven years. Yeah. <laughs> I'll change my to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's, I, I think the sound system in nowadays for starters, there's a lot of things I love about nowadays, but I think that sound system is like the nicest sound systems I've heard in New York and maybe one of the nicest sound systems I've ever heard really in a nightclub. How, Brian, <laughs> Thank That's you. so nice. Thank you. Thank you. No, it's Worms really true. Are hard to hear. That. It really does. And because ha- you mean, have heard a lot of sound systems and played on a lot of sound systems, and that yeah, means as a lot, of you guys, so. which I'm. That's why I guess my next question is like, how did you arrive at what what you wanted, and how did you get this job done? Well, um, oh man, we, you know, when we when we started. So, uh, very long story short, we weren't sure that we could start building the inside because we didn't have enough money. And we had we had a design and we costed it and it was like, we, we can't afford it. So we went back to the drawing board and we like stripped it back to bare bones and we costed that and we still didn't have enough money. Um, but we did some like, we did a little, we took a bet basically that if we started by the time we needed the money, we would have it somehow. <laughs> Right, we did like we were like, we'll figure it out. So we started, and <laughs> genius and, business decisions yes. by DJs. Yeah. <laughs> and, that is um, definitely some DJ logic and, right and, there. And it's cool. And part of it was um, there was no sound system. We were we took the sound system out of the uh, out of the budget because we were like we have a sound system. We have the sound system we use for right for Mr. Sunny. It's a fine sound system. It's, you know, it's a, a bit of a mongrel. It's been added, like, all, like, turbo sound, Yamaha, bespoke Jim Toth stuff. Like, it's, yeah, yeah it's, but it works well. It's, so we're like, at the very good. least, we can start You own a with sound that. system. Yeah. Um, but then as we got into it, and we actually were able to raise some money from investors, we got a little bit more ambitious around sound. And we went to all the manufacturers to try and get a free sound system. Like, we're pretty bullish about, like, hey, you know, you should get, we're, we're Mr. Saturday Night. You should give us a free science system. <laughs> and, and they all told People it. were lining up. They were all like, should I try this strategy? This sounds good. Yeah, don't <laughs> try. Bunker. They were like, who? You're, who? Um, so none of them gave us a, a, a science system. <laughs> That's amazing. But it was an I don't int- think anybody's ever even given us a free pair of headphones no, before. <laughs> Damn, we're, yeah, we're not good at getting free stuff. Well, maybe we'll get a can of Red Bull today. Um, and... Um, <laughs> But what was interesting is the, the process allowed us to really understand what it would cost. Um, and we, you know, we'd been talking to Shorty for years about his systems and we we did a boiler room thing at, at Analog and we'd love the system there. And, um, well, and you remember the story about how he met Shorty in the first place was pretty cool. Somebody just emailed us out of the blue all right, in right. like 2011 or something like that. And they said, hey, 
you know, we've got this amazing sound system that was custom made and um, we would love to just hear it at your party. You know, no strings attached. We just want to hear it set up at your party. And we got back in touch and we were like, we have our own sound system. Like, it's really nice, but whatever. You get emails sometimes and yeah. you're like, people are trying to do nice things, but you think about it and you're like, this is going to be more trouble than it's worth. The guy emailed back and was like, I don't think you understand. Like, this sound system is the prototype for this system in stereo in Montreal, which Francois K says is like the best system that he's heard since the Paradise Garage. And it said a few more things and we were like, oh, okay. Like, and we got on the phone and they were like, we really will come and set it up and we'll pay to have it installed. And the guy who built it will come and like do a tuning. And we're like, all right, like we don't have anything to lose here. And it was Shorty and he came in and he set it up and, um, and, and it was brilliant. And standing in front of that system was like the first time I felt like I was like, on a real New York dance floor. Yeah, kind of like I had forgotten about what it felt like to be on a dance floor like at it was at vinyl. Yeah. When I first got to New York, where it was just this like visceral body feeling that you yeah, get, right? And it is a very New York thing. Going yes. Twilo and Paradise Garage and all these places. Yeah. It's like it's a sound. Yeah. Which Shorty has studied. Which comes <laughs> from oh you know, Shorty worked Shorty worked at Zanzibar. It was one of his very first gigs, I think when he was a teenager, he would like be the guy for the audio company that Tony Humphreys would call and be like, hey man, one of the boxes is blown, we need you to come in. And so Shorty would work on this Richard Long system, which is like right up there with the Paradise Garage system. Yeah. People who've heard both who are like nerdy about it will be like just as good or people will be like, oh, that one was better, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was a Richard Long system, it was serious. Shorty then went on to work on the Twilo system. Right. Um, and so he's got a real pedigree. He really, really understands what he's doing. And um, the thing that makes his system special and I think gives his systems the the sound that they have, other than like he's using really good components and he's like studied acoustics in a really yeah, smart way. He builds all his own cables, everything. Yeah. It's really intense. But, um, it's a four corner, four corner, four kick system. Whereas most systems these days are designed in a European way, which is, a, it, this is not me like trashing somebody's version of a sound system. Like the sound system at Panorama Bar is amazing and it's set up the way I'm talking about. The sound system at Robert Johnson is amazing and it's set up the way I'm talking about, where all the kicks are on one side of the room. Yeah. And then the tops are the things that are on the four corners. Yeah. But what you get from that is really clean, evenly, distributed bass yeah but you only you get more pressure when you're closer to the kicks when you're farther away from the kicks you get less pressure whereas when you're on what i would call like a new york dance floor with kicks in all four corners there's this pressure that comes from all sides and there's weird cancellation and stuff like that but when you got somebody like shorty who really knows what they're doing they minimize that to a great extent and you just get this really visceral feeling that you just don't get on another dance floor yeah um, and he does those flown tweeters yeah which, yeah. Like, which are really like yeah. it's it seems a little kitschy or something but then yeah, when you yeah. hear it it's like no it, yeah, adds, it's cool. it adds like this real well, 3d when you, when you turn them off yeah you know? when you turn them off you really notice something i'm sure yeah. yeah 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 so very cool so you you did a kickstarter to well to that, race. that kind of continues the story of like how we how we got there because you know as as we were going through the construction and we were, you know, bringing in all these sign companies and they were all saying, no, we're not going to give you a free sign system. We're like, well, <laughs> we're not actually really interested in your sign system if it's not free because we're not that excited by it. It led us back to Shorty 
Um, and we also had an idea of like what it really costed so we could like sit down with Shorty and kind of figure it out. And then to, to do it, we, we needed the money. So we, we, uh, we did the Kickstarter and we had no idea how much we could raise. And we were nervous about asking for, or, or setting the, the target too high. Because if you don't have the target, you don't get the money. On Kickstarter, you don't yeah. get it, right? So we were like, okay, well, you know, we felt nervous, but also so- somewhat confident, or we felt it was realistic with a good effort we could get to 50 grand. So that's that's the level we put it at. We shot a video and we stared at it for like two months and realized it was not a good enough video. So then we went and got somebody else and shot a new video and that felt a lot better and we edited it and spent a bunch of time on the prizes and the copy and just the whole package. And then we went out and it, the response was just overwhelming. Like we, in the end we raised like 117 grand. Jeez, um, I think it was 103. It was, all right. either way, it's I impressive. Mean, yeah, over, over 100, 100 grand. grand. Uh, uh, yeah, and um, people so really want good sound. <laughs> they want good sound and, and they also just, they just wanted they want to, to support, support yeah. this story, like the culmination of this almost decade long story of like finally finding a permanent home, building a permanent home and, um, and, and, and taking everything to to a new level so so yeah we 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 bought the sound system and and that's what's in there and i think it's a real um sort of focal point of the experience of of the parties at nowadays so we're, we're super happy we did that so the venue the indoor part has been open how long now a couple months since, beginning of the year since and, december i mean whatever you know you, yeah soft opening opening the very first party that we did that was open to the public was in early december okay and you're now from years of all your parties in New York being Mr. Saturday Night, Mr. Sunday, mostly with you guys playing. Now you've got this new challenge of booking a venue. Yeah. How, how, like, what's your approach to that? And how has that been, been going? It's really exciting because, I mean, you talked about like the arc of like booking guests at the beginning yeah, and, and then, then becoming more of a residence thing. And now you're right. back into. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we'd, we'd started over the past couple summers to book guests again at Mr. Sunday. Right, I noticed Like that. once a month or something like that because it just felt like a nice, felt good to do yeah. that, right? Um, but, um, so we've been, we've been like dipping our toes back in the water, but what's been really nice about booking the way we're booking at, in, indoors and nowadays is we're reaching out to locals. We're really like after many years of existing in our own bubble where we're like really concentrated on our party. And I'm sure you know how this is. Like you got your own thing going on. And if, if you're a nightlife person, like you like to go out, but a lot of times like you kind of get that energy that you want to get from going out by doing your own party. Yeah. Oh, I do. Um, <laughs> so you're not like going out a lot and going and hearing other people. I don't know. I, I don't want to, maybe you are, but like, I wasn't going out a lot to other stuff. Yeah, I've mostly, I haven't stopped over the years, but it's mostly the events I throw and then of course the gigs I play. And then good friends, like my resident DJs and label artists when I have can go out and support them playing other parties in New York, but even that becomes very difficult. Right. Because I'm getting older and I'm still spending a lot of time in nightclubs and it's not always what I want to do when I have a night off. Right, yeah, exactly. So what's been really nice is to just put our heads back into 
what's going on in New York. And it's a really amazing time to do that because there are so many good things that are going on yeah, right now. Agreed. Um, a lot of a lot of DJs, old and new, who are really coming into their own and cool parties happening. Yeah. Other venues opening. Um, I feel like there's this whole wave of people that kind of came from the era of Bossa Nova opening. A lot of them I see playing it nowadays now that just kind of, there was finally a place where they could play techno in New York where they didn't have to know a lot about event production or anything. They could just show up and play. And now a lot of these people are playing nationally and internationally right. and getting recognition. And it's really, it's just a lot more people involved now. Right. And it's been really cool to watch that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I mean, I think that that's what we're trying to, that's what we're trying to become. We're trying to become uh, a a place that is rooted in New York dance music culture first and foremost, and that's the identity of of nowadays, um, and not a place that is focused on chasing and competing for the big bookings that are coming through town. Because I, there, there's a limit to that where you're just you're just a music venue, really, that you're just kind of like churning through the standard process and. It's not really that exciting to us. Um, and also, frankly, just a really tough business. Like, it's really, like, the fees that, that DJs want with more clubs existing in New York competing it's, for those, you don't, there's there's very little money to be made on a night yeah. if you're if you're paying these exorbitant fees. So the really, the, the obvious and clear path to us is to build something around the talent that, that we're excited by that exists in New York and and therefore to make it um, very like a very unique place that is not trying to copy something great in Europe or or, or the competition in, in, in New York for that matter. And you know we've been working with artists like Aurora Halal and uh, Daniel Fisher Physical Therapy and you know the Analog Soul Girls and Working Women and um, and it's been super fun to sit down with them and like plan a party. It's it's in some ways I think about it is we're kind of like um, the way we grew our own party. We're sort of starting like eight parties and like right. growing those using our experience, but with the personality of like the people that we're working with. Right? Like who yeah. are they excited about? Who would they like to play with? Giving them a chance to play on their own. Um, yeah, I think you it's know. a really cool approach and, yeah, something different for New York in a way. It's well, yeah, and, and the whole thing, like, playing playing on our own, uh, just to add to what Eamon said before, it wasn't always, it wasn't, at least in my head, it wasn't like a foregone conclusion that one day, well, okay, well, the party gets big enough, we just won't have guests anymore. There was a moment, there were a couple moments that led to that. And um, one was a party that we threw with Shea Damier, and there was like this like torrential rainstorm. It was outside. Our equipment got destroyed. There was one CDJ left, and um, and he played on one CDJ with a microphone. Would like talk in between them. It was just like so cathartic. It was such an amazing <laughs> night. And at the end of the night, I, this is also like this summer where like the apartment that I was in caught on fire. We lost the Gowanus space. It was pretty like I was pretty shaken. Yeah. Um, had no money. <laughs> just like dirt dirt poor and getting married um and uh i was headed home with shay damier and was probably being like to uh, well he's such a sweet man and such a like an open man that i think he was just kind of like encouraging of me like opening up to him and in the did conversation you, did you cry 
Did you cry no. on his shoulder? No, it I'm was like, the rain. I it might, was the rain. It was the rain. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my eyes are wet. Yeah. I might, cry, I might cry now. Um, no, but uh, on on the way home, I remember, I'll remember it always. Sitting uh, in front of the apartment where we were staying for like two weeks because we kept having to move from apartment to apartment, and he said to me, he's like, "Hey, man, you know what? You guys are doing a really cool thing, and you should think about." Um, doing you. He's like, I love getting booked. Don't get me wrong. I'll come here and play for you anytime or well, something like that. Like he was yeah, like yeah. talking about how he's like not trying to talk himself out of, out of uh, talk us out of giving him some work. He's like, but the truth is if you really want like your thing to grow, you need to focus on you. Yeah. And so that was this like moment. And then there was another moment where um, I think it was the next year, like six or seven months later, um, when I was living in Berlin for a short while, Eamon was here and we scheduled parties so that, you know, we would do like two in uh, two weekends so that I could come back and I could play them. At one point, Todd Terry was supposed to play and I think he had to cancel and we just canceled the party. And after it, I remember kind of like regretting it a little bit. And then shortly thereafter, Danny Wang was supposed to come over. And you remember the big Icelandic volcano? Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of gigs got canceled because right. of that. Right, so Danny couldn't come. And at first we were like, oh, we got to cancel. And then we were like, wait, wait a second. Let's do it ourselves. Yeah, like we Like we want, we want to play more ourselves. Let's do it ourselves. And we did it and people came. I think it was like, you know, 150 or 200 people came. It was this really cool loft called the Brooklyn Urban Sanctuary. Do you remember this place? In, uh, anyway. It was, it was on... Um, it was on Bergen Street and Prospect Heights. Yeah, where yeah. they remember they would do sex parties there like other nights. And so when we would throw our parties there, like people who didn't get the moment that it wasn't sex party night would like be like making out on the beds that surround <laughs> the dance floor. It was like this is pretty like great like energy in that place. Just people really felt free. It was it was it was a it was a home. Yeah. Right? Anyway, we did a party and it felt great. And that's kind of like once we did it, it kind of gave us confidence. And then we started programming more of these parties where we would like be like, okay, this one, we're going to make a decision that where there's not a guest, it's just us playing. And slowly, slowly, that, that became a thing that we did. Anyway, the reason why I mentioned this in the context of the bookings that we're doing right now is we, that was like, it took us a long time to get there, right? Yeah. And I feel good to be able to say to a group of young DJs like working women like hey you know what you do a night on your own you should have that experience you should do that now and figure out what that feels like you don't need to wait and like only book guests to play with you for three years before you get there let's try this now and let's let like what is hopefully some momentum behind nowadays and whatever the momentum that's like happening in New York around nightlife carry you and not just assume that like you need to just always be opening up for somebody right. right so that's it's just that's one example of like a lesson that we learned over time that we're kind of like you know trying to carry to other people who are playing with us but there are plenty of other things that we've learned over the years and it's nice to just be like okay we don't need to go into this pitfall here like we can do your party like this right you know? you're using your experience to help these other young promoters and DJs right which I think is really cool and generous, but you can also, you're also benefiting well, from it. Well, we benefit from yeah. it too. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, you know, uh, what we hope is that nowadays is like, you know, is something that helps everybody rise. Everybody who's involved gr yeah. grow, 
right? I mean, that's that's what a, that's what a good thing does. I mean, Panorama Bar, it's a classic example, right? Like it's the one that everybody talks about, but it's a really good example of something that has established its own identity and brought up people who probably wouldn't be where they are if they weren't oh, yeah. associated with the club. <laughs> For sure. But they deserve to be. They weren't always talented. Right, and yeah. They picked the right people, but they gave them... You, they're, you're giving people a platform, right? A really yeah. great one, so. right? Yeah, and that's a two-way street, right? It's not just like us sitting here and being like, you know, the benevolent. Yeah, like, of course. <laughs> it's like it's good for us too. It's good for everybody. Yeah. If you can have a, if you could have a space where it's not what Eamon was saying before, where it's just like you're in this arms race to like book the the biggest DJ all the time. This well, is good it, for everybody. Yeah, it just doesn't it just doesn't work that strategy after a while. Right. I yeah, mean, exactly. we certainly do like we've moved more we still have our big guests at the bunker, but it's like over the years it's become more and more that the guests who are coming in are now part of the Right. Party. They're part of the label. Our resident DJs have become huge and like the whole Right. Yeah. Like, you've done a great job. Moving of it. towards yeah. this idea where it'll just eventually be more or less just every lineup, even if there are somebody who's clearly a big headliner on there, they're actually from the bunker. A part of the bunker. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it's been before we completely finish the interview, it's been it's I'd like to talk a little bit about doing the bunker limited there. It was really great. We oh, did this yeah. first one with and you like the first venue I've talked to in New York for a while. When you approached me and I approached you about doing the bunker there, and I had the idea of it being at least to start our resident, just local resident DJs playing all night, and I thought you might balk at that, and you're just like, this, no, it's great. Like, right. Patrick, do the first one, Servito, do the second one, this yeah. is awesome, this is exactly what we want. Like, wow, okay, cool, yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it fits in yeah, perfectly no, with it makes It's really to great here. to have a venue where this makes sense, and I know... Like the crowd really loved the first one. Patrick really loved playing there. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to more. Yeah. Doing uh, Mike Servito on the 30th of this month uh, for the second edition of the Bunker Limited at Nowadays. And are, are there any other uh, special things you want to call out? This I know weekend, you have a lot coming up. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, what, what things do you talk about? Um, when you, once you have a venue, it's like. Right. Yeah. Well, what I will, what I will plug, and actually this, this fits in well with what I'm about to play when, when, when I do play a little <laughs> bit of music here. Um, we do this thing every Sunday night in the non Mr. Sunday season. So during right. the winter called planetarium and that's really special and, and unique and people come in uh it's five hour long thing goes from 6 p.m to 11 p.m and people we have like like yoga blankets in the space but some people like bring their own blankets and pillows and we have couches and people lie down on the floor or lie on the couches or sit on like our like plush chairs and just listen to music for five hours it's totally silent in the listening area people keep their voices low in the bar and it's a really really as a dj it's a really really amazing um way to play um it's funny I don't know what I expected it would be like, but it's a lot more sensitive of a DJ environment than I would have imagined it would be. Um, I find myself often like playing a song and then um, putting another one on in my headphones and being like, whoa, that energy is way too much, even if I would have considered right. that like a mellow song otherwise. Yeah. Because when it's silent in a room, like people are really tuned in the music and it's a very, you can like very nuanced things yeah. really pop out to you right? are people asked not to talk or does that just kind of naturally happen no we what we realized after we did the first one was that it was a good idea to just make it like part of the party to say like hey we ask that you don't talk in this area and people 
people have now kind of like bought into that as like part of the thing. But the first one we did, it was a little chattery, wasn't it? Right. The, the first one at nowadays? No, the first one. No, the first one at nowadays is on point. The first one at Nari's house. Oh, uh, the first the first couple at at Nari's were were chatty. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, it feels like everybody who's coming now really gets it. Um, and it, because the first few we did at night is we put like a sandwich board up with the, with like the, the rules about no talking and, and and cell phones and stuff. But we don't do that anymore. And everybody just falls in line. They understand it. Because I think there, we've got that text online for people to see it when, they've right. just, when they're saying they come. But also like there's an area where you can talk. It's not like you, right. you walk, it's not like a monastery or something. You walk and you can't, and <laughs> right. you can't talk until you leave, right? You can talk by the bar. There's the banquet seatings on the other side. You can talk. We just ask people to like talk quietly. Right. So if you're on the like dance floor listening area, you're not distracted by chatter, right? Like yeah. you're really like immersed in the music. So anyway, that's one thing that is really exciting to me um, and I think really unique to nowadays. And that's every Sunday? Every single Sunday, wow. yeah. Until we start Mr. Sunday, then we'll just do Mr. Sunday. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's every Sunday. And then you know, we're doing our party this Saturday. Um, Aurora, um, Halal, Amy was just talking about her. She's doing stuff regularly at nowadays, and Kasim Moss is playing with her. And actually, if you're listening, we, we haven't posted this. We, we mentioned it in our email today, but we haven't posted it on any of the event the event um, information yet. I just talked to Aurora today and uh, Kasim Moss is going to do an ambient set for like an hour and a half at the beginning of the night. Oh, very so cool. If you're like, he was supposed to play in one hour long, like dance floor set later on in the evening, but he's stoked about the sound system. And I think he's like really interested in yeah, something different. Yeah. He's a cool guy. I've known him for years. I can see him. Yeah, that being really exciting. Right. Playing early, yeah, so. I'm, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So that's this weekend too? That's yep. that's tomorrow yeah. night, yeah. And, okay. and then tonight, um, House Coalition, which is an organization um, that was pretty instrumental in uh, repealing the cabaret law. Okay. Um, they, um, oh, sorry, I'm here. I'm being asked to play some music here. <laughs> yeah. There we go. No, it's not working. Hmm. Do I have it on reverse? Sorry. There we go. <laughs> now I now I can DJ. Um, but uh, anyway, they're doing a, a fundraiser at Nowadays Tonight. And Doug Sherman from um, The Loft and Joy Family. Oh, yeah. Ali Coleman, who I played a gig with him, Bossa, a couple months ago. And I knew he went to Body and Soul. But um, while we were playing, he did this thing where I'm going to back away from the mic when I do it because it's pretty loud. He goes, work, work, work. And I remember as soon as he did this, that like, there was a guy from Body and Soul who would do this. And I was like, I turned to him and I was like, it was you. <laughs> anyway, Body and Soul regular, Paradise Garage regular, great DJ, awesome dude, amazing energy. He's playing tonight. And then um, Loft Kid Luis, um, who's like, his mom would bring him to the loft when he was young. And actually his mom's birthday party is also part of what's happening tonight as well. So oh, it's wow. like, it's a real family affair tonight. So anyway, Very that's, cool. that's the happenings this weekend. We could go on and on, but, uh, that's, I think that's enough. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good idea of like, what's kind yeah, of thing you a, have going a, on every weekend. It's a good sampling. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, well, we've talked a lot more than planned here. We've got 20 minutes left. Yeah. Do you want to, if Eamon will let you 
play for Eamon, is it okay if I play Take him on the journey. <laughs> okay. All right, here a we go. 20-minute journey. A tw- <laughs> We're going to go deep into four songs. <laughs> All right. Um, so thanks a lot. We still have 20 minutes left in the show here. Justin's going to play us some music. Uh, you're listening to Mr. Saturday Night on The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. <laughs> right. Yes. Thanks for having us, Brian. Yeah, thanks, thanks for Brian. coming on.
Kanandagatieni, Kanandagatieni me, Kanandagatieni, Kanandagatieni me, Ndagatita inde muntunyo we, Kanandagatieni me, Ndagatita inde muntunyo we, Oma gundi pambe, Damianda simga nomwe, Damianda Damianda simga nomwe, Oma wandi mana.恭喜你问柏林顿馆和柏林顿花园六号的出价成功了皇家艺术研究院的故居现在就是你的了要成为你自己家的主人你必须先定义主人的使命你的每个家的使命是不同的从在迈阿密的豪宅到在皮卡
Deeper than still waters Exploring your peaks and your hills You'll be fainting the thrills Cause you're a freak on the low And I'll go as deep as can go As deep as can go You let me know that it's real And you get mad on the phone I be hating the tone There's just a lot going on I think you know I'm missing you still Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We've been in the mix and on the mic with Mr. Saturday Night. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you Thank for you. having us. Thank great you. To have, great yeah. to be here. Really fun show. I think we've the whole thing will be archived on Facebook so everybody can... Oh, so people can come back and listen like at, at will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah, once you broadcast it there, it just... Lives there forever. 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 In the bowels yeah. of Facebook's server cave. Yeah. In seven years when nowadays closed down and you're on some job interview, <laughs> they're going to pull up that video. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Yeah, what a way to end. <laughs> <laughs> Have a nice weekend, everybody. <laughs> trying to deal with what to do with the rest of your life. Looking back, nah, baby. We only 